All right, guys, we are in Lesson 19. We're going to be looking at chapters 49 through chapters 52 of uh, Isaiah. Now, as we get into this, I kind of need to make a point to help you to understand. So we're looking at prophecy. So when this was given, this was given even before the Babylonians came, remember, before they came and destroyed Jerusalem and so forth. This is even before Jesus would show up. But this prophecy is going to be talking about the Messiah. And the Messiah is who, folks? Jesus, right? Okay. Now, I want you to understand, what we're going to see here today is there's going to be descriptions and it's going to be telling us exactly, well, we're going to see that the Messiah is rejected. It's very clear that he was rejected. Next week, when we get into Isaiah 53, we're going to see that he suffers. Okay, and all of this is here. But to the folks in Jesus' day, they didn't correlate it to being the Messiah. But we can look at it now, having on this side of Jesus and the cross, we see, yes, that, that's, that's about Jesus. The rejection, the suffering, yes, we, we see that. Now, what, what's the point here? Here's, here's the point I want you to understand. We, we live in an age now where, okay, so right now I know, I know there's a lot of Bible studies out there about Revelation and end times. For, by the way, there always is a lot of Bible studies about Revelation and end times, okay? And you and I can understand the basic things of what the Scripture is teaching. I'm very weary of teachers who will tell you, this means this, and this means that, and you're seeing this right now. Well, because why am I weary about that? Because I remember in the 90s, early 90s, that uh, they were saying that Saddam Hussein was the Antichrist. Really? He's dead now, Okay. That was with the Persian Gulf War. That wasn't even with the Iraq War later on. The whole point is, you have to hold on to your interpretations loosely. Don't get dogmatic about it. Why? Because I think what we're seeing here, like with this passage we're going to look at today and next week, the Jews in Jesus' day didn't even think of this in terms of the Messiah. So you and I... We may have an understanding of the Scripture, but I don't think we have a complete understanding. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? I, I don't think we have a complete understanding. Well, are you sure about that, George? Think about it. So when you read through the Gospels and they'll say, this, this, was in, this is, you know, they talk about Jesus and this is in fulfillment of what so-and-so said in this passage. Well, if you go back and read that psalm, how did, where did, where, I thought he was talking about this in that psalm, and here the gospel writer saying this is in fulfillment of a prophecy. I didn't even know that was a prophecy. That's my point. The, the scripture is itself magnificent. But we allow the Spirit to guide us through, and, and I think we've got to be careful when we talk about what's going to happen in the future. I don't think we've got a full picture. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? We only know what he tells us. Okay? So that's the point I want you to see here. Now, if you want to, we can talk about that later during question time. Okay? I would encourage you to do that. 
because uh, you might say, I don't know if I agree with you, George. Okay, that's fine. We can talk about that. All right, but let's look at this together. We're going to talk about the servant's mission, first of all. Okay, so the servant is the speaker in verses 1 to 5. So 1 to 5, it's, it's kind of written from the speaker being the servant. Okay, so it's like the Messiah is speaking here in verses 1 to 5. He calls the nations to listen to him because of his special calling from the Lord. Okay, so he's saying, I want you to listen to me, nations. I have a special calling from the Lord, and he does. He's the Messiah, right? Okay, the Messiah is called Israel because he fully, he fulfills what Israel should have been. So here, the servant, you would think, oh, the servant is Israel. No, no, the Messiah is saying, I'm Israel. Why? Because I am the fulfillment of what Israel should have been. So he's using a picture here, okay? Using a picture. So in his person and work, he epitomizes the nation. Okay? He epitomizes what the nation should have been. All right? Now, the Lord will reward the servant whom he has called to bring Israel back to the Lord. All right, let's stop for a moment. So this is the purpose of the Messiah. The Messiah is to come and bring Israel back to the Lord. All right, now, has that happened yet at this point? No. So this is talking about something in the future, right? Okay. When will that take place? Yeah, during the tribulation, I actually think, Bruce, at the end of the tribulation, okay, when, when we, they're almost wiped out. Because the Antichrist really can destroy them, but before he does, they have, a, they have somebody who will come and save them. Who was who? The Messiah. Okay? The Messiah. And so the reality is, is that is when they will realize who he is and turn back to him. Okay? And so that's his purpose, is to bring Israel back to the Lord. Now, when they come back to the Lord that time, folks, there isn't going to be any turning back to the old gods anymore. There isn't going to be more backslidden state for them at all. Okay? Now, let's go on. Though the servant will be rejected, the Lord tells his servant that he will be acknowledged by all. So even though he's rejected, rejected by Israel, and he is right now, he will be what? Acknowledged by all. Now, when will that acknowledgement happen? Is it happening right now? No, you can't drive down through Kerbinsville and everybody's bowing the knee at the same time and saying Jesus Christ is Lord, right? No, but there will come a day, what Philippians refers to it, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, what? That Jesus Christ is Lord. So even though he's rejected, the time will come when everybody will acknowledge it. Okay? Everyone will acknowledge it. So, the acceptable and favorable time here refers to the millennium. Okay, so when it talks about 
In the passage, the acceptable or favorable time, it's referring to the millennium here. So the Lord will enable the servant to fulfill the covenant promises to Israel. So this is when it'll take place. Okay, so does everybody remember, anybody tell me what the covenant promises are? Does anybody know what the covenant promises are? Okay, yeah, he, they'd be his people. Okay, that's right. Anybody else? What else? Think about the Abrahamic covenant. What did God say, promise to Abraham? Okay, the land. Okay. Anybody know what land? Anybody know? I don't know my geography, George. Oh, well, think about what the scripture says. Okay, can I help you? From the great river in Egypt to the river Euphrates. Okay, so where is the Nile? Egypt. So from the Nile eastward, is that Israel? No. Has it ever been Israel? No. Okay, where is the Euphrates? Anybody know where the Euphrates is? It's in Iraq. Goes up through, all the way up into Syria. Okay. All the way out close to the Mediterranean. Now, is any of that Israel? Now, in all of history, has Israel had any of that land? No, never. Even in David and all of his might, he never had any of that land, right? Never. When will that be fulfilled? In the millennium, because that's when God will what? Fulfill his promises. The land promises will be fulfilled. Also, what you were saying about that they will be his people. Here's the other one, Bruce, that they are to, he'll multiply them as what? The sand on the seas. Okay, so there'll be many of them. It's not just the Abrahamic covenant promises that will be fulfilled. It'll be the promises to Moses and the Mosaic covenant, but also to David and the Davidic covenant, that who will be the one on the throne? Who did he say, you will never lack anyone on the throne? Who is the son of David who will be on the throne? Jesus, and he will what? Rule the nations with a rod of iron. So the Lord will enable the servant, that is God the Father, will enable the servant, that is the Messiah, Jesus, to fulfill the covenant promises. Now, here's the thing. You might be thinking, what does that have to do with me because I'm not Jewish? Okay? We share Gentiles, very clearly, Romans chapter 9 through 11, we share in the promises because we have been grafted in. We're the wild olive branches that have been grafted into the root. The root is Christ. The natural branches are the Jews. We have been grafted in with them and we share in their promises. Okay? Now, Israel will be restored to the land which will be fertile and watered. So they'll be restored to the land. And it'll be fertile and watered. Now, why would that be important to them? Think about that. Why would being told that the land is going to be fertile 
and it's going to be watered, why would that be important to them? Crops, because they're a what? An agrarian culture, okay? They're an agrarian culture, and so therefore, it's very important to them that they have crops and bountiful crops, but also, let, what about the water thing? What's that? Yeah, it's kind of a arid climate there. It's hard to find water. Remember, they're the ones who are digging out cisterns, which are just little hollow places to collect water, okay? And so that's a major promise. You're going to be having good crops, everything's going to be well, and, and you'll be watered, okay? So these verses now, when we get to verses 14 to 26, they're going to record a dialogue between Israel and God. So when you look at verses, chapter 49, verses 14 to 26, you're going to see now that there's kind of like an interaction between Israel and God. Okay? So here, let's see what's going on. So Israel claims that the Lord has forsaken her. God, you've abandoned me. When, isn't that a natural thing that we say? When do we say things like that? That you, you have forsaken me. When do we usually say things like that? Yeah, when we're in the midst of hardships. And not just any kind of hardships, but what? Extreme hardships, when it's really pouring down on us, okay? So the Lord states that he has not forgotten her life as a mother would not forget her child. What a beautiful illustration here, isn't it? God says, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forgotten you. Would any mother forget her child? Not any normal mother, right? So Judah's enemies will depart and the remnant will return. So he's saying the enemies of Judah will depart, but what? The as they leave, the remnant, that is what's left of Israel, will return. Okay? So when Israel returns, the Gentiles will be friendly to Israel and come to worship the Lord. Now, is that happening right now? <clears throat> no. No. Oh, well, there's some allies of Israel right now. Okay, forget the allies things. Are people friendly towards Israel? Because even in the allied countries, there's a rise right now of anti-Semitism, which is what? Angered towards what? Jews. But in the future... When the Messiah comes, the Gentiles will be friendly, and what? They will come to Jerusalem to what? To worship, okay? To worship the Messiah, the King. Israel's enemies will be destroyed, and the world will acknowledge that the Lord will acknowledge the Lord as Israel's Savior. That's what's going to happen in the future. The enemies will be destroyed, but the world will say, hey, Israel's Savior is there. Okay, that's what's going to happen. Now the Lord, we get to chapter 50 now, verses 1 to 11. We're going to give an exhortation here in chapter 50 to walk by faith. So the Lord states that he temporarily divorced Israel because she rejected him. Now that's interesting, isn't it? He would use that kind of terminology. He has put her away. That's that... that that he's, uh, he's divorced her temporarily. Why? Because of her rejection. 
Israel's captivity is like a wife leaving her husband because of her sins. So when he talks about her captivity, and she's going to spend 70 years in captivity, it's like a wife leaving her husband because of her sins. The Lord taught the servant to comfort the weary. So the Messiah is to come and comfort the weary. So the servant did not rebel against the Lord's instruction. So it's not like, oh, this conversation didn't take place. Jesus is saying to God the Father, I don't really want to do that. Do you know what I'm saying? That, that's, he's willingly obedient to the Father. No, he's saying the servant did not rebel against the Lord's instruction. So the servant gave his body to those who persecuted him. Isn't that true? He willingly let himself go to the cross. We know that, right? Think about it. John records, we're going to see it later when we go through it in John, that there they are in the garden, and uh, Jesus says, who are you seeking? And they say, and he says, I am. He just announces the name of God, and they what? Fall down. He knocks them all down by just saying the name of God. Now, do you think Jesus, if he had decided, I don't want to be taken, didn't have to be taken? Yeah, I mean, he's powerful enough. One word knocks them down, right? So the servant gave his body to those who would persecute him. That's what we're going to see here, okay? Then the servant states that the Lord will help and vindicate him. So even though he's giving his body, the Lord will help and vindicate him. Now, let me explain. How do you think the Lord will vindicate him? You ever thought, thought that one through? How do you think the Lord will vindicate him? Ponder that for a moment. How's the Lord going to vindicate him to the people who accused him, who tried him, pronounced him a criminal, pronounced him to be able to die? How's he going to vindicate Jesus to those chief priests, to Pilate, to those Romans who nailed him on the cross, to the people who mocked him while he was there, to the soldiers who beat him and so forth. How's God going to vindicate Jesus to them? How's that going to look? What's that look like? Because we could read that and say, oh yeah, he's going to vindicate. What does that mean? Well, the resurrection, yes. Okay. The fact that he came back from the dead, yes, that would be a vindication. What else? Yeah, knees will bow. I've often thought of that too, Bruce, because it's like, so here they are, they think they got rid of Jesus. But one day they're going to open their eyes and what? Stand before him. Wouldn't that be a scary thing? The one you mocked, the one you beat, the one you killed is now the one who judges you. Did you understand? That's a vindication, right? Yeah, so the servant states that the Lord will help and vindicate him. Those who accuse the servant will face judgment. Isn't that interesting? Right after that. Those who accuse the servant will face judgment. They're not going to get away with this. By the way, have you ever said that? It just seems like they're getting away with it. Ever heard somebody? They just seem like always get away with it. Does anybody ever really get away with it? Well, maybe to us they do, but ultimately, No. No, they won't get away with it, will they? So, 
Those who fear the Lord and his servant must trust in the name of the Lord. So again, he's calling us, he's exhorting us, hey, you trust in the name of the Lord. No matter how bad things are getting, no matter how much it looks like the world's upside down, you trust in the Lord. Those who walk according to their own light will suffer torment. But if you're going to do it on your own, you're going to suffer. It's just the message of the scripture, right? The Lord speaks to those who pursue righteousness and seeks him. Hey, folks, you ever want God to speak to you? He will. But here's who he speaks to. To those who pursue righteousness and they seek him. Now, what do you mean, speak to me, George? Is that like, hello, how are you today, George? No, it's not that, all right? But it is, when I read his word, I would say 90, more than 90 plus percent of the amount of time that he speaks to you, it's right here through his word. When you read something and it catches your eye and you're like, man, yeah. Yeah, that, you're speaking to me, God, through that passage. You're telling me I need to change here. Or, man, what an encouragement that was. You know, he speaks to you. But the issue of hearing him is, is you need to be what? Pursuing righteousness and seeking after him. Do you understand? Seeking after him. And I'm not, when I say seeking after him, I'm not seeking after him for an answer. I'm seeking after him because I want to get to know him. So the remnant is to remember where they came from. He wants them to remember. You know, often through the scripture, even like, for instance, like in, the, in uh, Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, the church of Ephesus, which lost their first love, God calls them to remember. Remember. What are you supposed to remember? Well, remember who you were before you came to Christ. Remember what Jesus did when you came to Christ. Remember what it was like when you walked with him. They're, they're to remember. You and I are to remember where we came from. And so here's again, the Lord will comfort and restore Israel. The Lord will comfort and restore Israel. The Lord's law will be known as his justice is established throughout the world. So it'll be known. His law will be known. Uh, by the way, who establishes God's law? Anybody know? Who, who establishes his law? It's not a hard question. God does. Okay. Now, right now, does it seem like it's being established? Man, I must be throwing some doozies today because... Everybody's like, what is he talking about? Is God's law established today? No. Why? Because people reject it, right? But who's the one who will establish it? The Messiah who's going to come. He will be the one who will rule, and everyone will what? Do what he says, right? Are we in that moment right now? No. Why? Because men are rebellious and sinful. Do you understand? And they, and they reject and they do their own thing. Now, the remnant prayed for the Lord to bring about another exodus. 
Another exodus? Yeah, remember the first exodus was to remove them from slavery of Egypt and bring them to the promised land? This remnant, because they're in exile, are praying that God would bring it out another exodus and what? That is salvation and bring them back to the land that they were promised. Folks, that's still the prayer today. Why? Because the Jews are still scattered throughout the world. And it's interesting to me. Do you realize that they're still trying to get back? Still trying to get back. Rahab refers to the name of a sea monster that represents Egypt. Now, when you look at this passage, you're like, Rahab, wasn't that the harlot in, in, uh, who's in the line of Jesus? Yes, but here in Isaiah, it's referring to, when you look at this passage, it's referring to the name of a sea monster that represents Egypt. So he's using an illustration of a sea monster by the name of Rahab who represents Egypt. The Lord comforts the remnant by stating that their enemies are only men. They're only men. The Lord is their God who will help them and restore them. He'll help them and restore them. Let's continue on here. The Lord calls Jerusalem to be awakened because her calamity is ending. Wake up, Jerusalem, your calamity is ending. And, and I would say, fo folks, that the calamity is still continuing in Jerusalem to this day. Okay? It won't end until who comes back? Jesus. What do you mean the calamity is still going on? You know, one of the things I hear all the time is, you ever hear somebody say, pray for the peace of Jerusalem? You ever hear somebody say that? You, you sometimes will hear that in Christian circles and so forth. When will the peace come to Jerusalem? When Jesus comes back, folks, okay? Now, in her calamity, Jer Jerusalem has suffered much. Yeah. Man, if, you, if you're any kind of student of history, and especially for that area, it's just one marauding army after another coming in and taking it. Do you understand? That's even true here in the last hundred years. One marauding army coming in and taking it. The Lord will now afflict those who have afflicted her. God's going to afflict those who afflict her. And Jerusalem was to awaken because she will be rebuilt and adorned. Now, again, he's using an illustration of, of the city as being like a woman. And so she's going to be decked out, so to speak. She's going to be dressed up. And she will never be invaded and defiled again. Now, when's that going to take place? When the Messiah comes. Okay? When the Messiah comes. She will be redeemed from her slavery. Again, when the Messiah comes. The prophet exalted the good news of the Lord's salvation. Something to look forward to, right? Something to look forward to. So the Lord calls Israel to return and be clean from impurity. Now, anybody, when it says impurity here, what do you think it's talking about? Be clean from her impurity. What do you think it's referring to here? Okay, what kind of sins? Okay, that's it. The rejection of God. That is the ultimate sin. 
Because all the other sins are a manifestation of that. Did you understand? It's the rejection of God. Rejecting God and then what? Going off and whoring after the other idols. It's going after the substitutes for God. And so Israel is being called to return and what? To be clean from that impurity. To be cleansed from that sin of chasing after other gods. Of, of rejecting him and going back to the Lord. That's what he's calling Israel to do. Come back. Okay? If you go to the prophet Hosea, uh, he is to marry a woman by the name of Gomer, who is a, think of that, that's an odd name. We think of Gomer, you think of Gomer Pyle, right? Gomer was the name of a woman in the Old Testament, and she was a prostitute who, what, ran around on her husband, and it's a picture of God with Israel. Israel is Gomer. And he still loves her and takes her back, even in her infidelity. And so the Lord is what? He's calling Israel, return, right here in Isaiah, return, be cleansed from your purity, turn your heart back to me. I'm going to say to you folks, ultimately our sins are a reflection of one greater sin in our life. The rejection of God. Because in the moment we sin, we decide at that moment, God, I know better than you in this area in whatever area that is. Okay? Let's go on. Israel will not have to leave in haste, for the Lord will be with her. So he's talking about the nature of their relationship here. All right. Next week we're going to talk about that servant suffering and the suffering he had to go through.